In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... Chrissy Teigen referred to Donald Trump as a pussy-ass bitch. Look, he's a sick puppy. He, he, shouldn't be, he shouldn't be there. Well, I lost half a day of skiing. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to be happy. The Betches Sub Podcast. A speaker has not been elected. Hello. Welcome to the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. I'm Amanda Duberman, the Senior Director for News and Activism at Betches. I'm Millie Tamares, comedian and sub-video contributor. And today, Elise is off, and we are joined by Missy Modell. She is a friend and a social media consultant and a parody artist who runs the agency at Yes Ma'am Creative and is now the host of the new podcast, Sorry for Apologizing. Welcome, Missy. Hello, friends. How are you? Uh, this hi. might be your first time hearing Missy maybe not along, singing along <laughs> to something, but you've definitely seen her. You've definitely seen her, perhaps in a, oops, I did it again, yep. reminiscent Any garment. Early 2000s is, is really the moment where you'll find me uh-huh. always. Uh-huh. Well, that does bring like Millie. me into yes. <laughs> that does bring me into our breaking news topic, which I didn't mm-hmm. expect to get into this immediately or enthusiastically, but we did learn before we were talking that you both have strong thoughts and feelings. The news today is that Jerry Springer has passed away. At seventy nine years, seventy nine oh years God. young. I didn't write that down. I was just going to let it go, but you you had it in your head. Seventy nine years. He passed. Young. He passed. <gasps> I didn't know. Missy, welcome to Betcha's Sub Wait, News Podcast. Wait, this is breaking news for me because this, this is story, breaking news. You must have been so confused why we were like. I thought he was running Jerry. for Congress. I had no, no girl, idea what was happening. He just died. died. Fuck. <laughs> he is dead. <laughs> he is underground. Um, I'm yeah. so sorry to break this news to you, Missy. I can't share my story now. No, no, you can't. Um, But I have positive (laughs) stories to share. Jerry Springer was very formative in my iconic media man. Because we're going to talk about some unfortunate media men this hour. But yeah, but I feel like you know, I think he got a lot of flack in his career for being. you know, like obviously his show got reduced. You know, he started the, his show with good intentions. He used to be mayor of Cincinnati and he started his show with good intentions. And he used to have these, he tried to have dialogues with uh, KKK members and uh, people active in the Jewish community to like try to like create a space. They did also end up in fist fights, and they're some of my favorite moments when people fight back. The but anyway, he, you know, something that I appreciate, which I think, you know, as we're talking about the Britney Spears, the you know, even Tyra Banks's legacy, and all these people who, you know, media figures, even like Katie Couric, Barbara Walters, people who didn't respect women, didn't respect lower like lower income like people i think even though there was always chaos on jerry springer's show something that i learned from him and as part of his legacy is that he he always as a host always treated people with respect and nuance and never judged people and i think that is like what makes a great talk show host i feel like 
there are many can't replicate the like go the go with the flow and adaptability of Jerry Springer. Um, and he'll be missed on my end. I mean, I used to buy the videotapes and masturbate to them. Okay. Well, I thought you said That's you weren't gonna share, but I mean you did. to Jerry Springer. To Jerry, Jerry Springer, Springer or listen. the guests. The guests. It's uh, so because yeah. they showed boobs sometimes. They showed boobs. Okay. And I don't know. It felt very it, it was honestly very formative you know, in my sexual youth. But I feel strange saying that. Yeah, but as you're passed. saying that, I'm getting a flicker of familiarity. <laughs> Something is <gasps> rumbling Something is. below. You're so right, because not only did you see boobs, but you saw like it was the first time you really saw like a man in a, a strong man in a tank top. Yes. Tension. Yeah. Exactly. Rip his rip his shirt no, off. They were hot. Yeah. And also it's just like <laughs> it just was like sometimes you're so pissed at someone and you gotta yeah. beat their ass. Well, it did yeah. happen a lot that they were like in furious fights with each other and, and then they just start making out. That did happen sometimes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would happen, but it's also like I don't know if if somebody cheated on me and then came on stage on national television to show off his new girlfriend, I'm going to fight. <laughs> and you know what? Jerry Springer is going to step out of the way mm-hmm. and tell and tell everyone, take care of it yourself and each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope that you both process this loss <laughs> like in your really upset. vastly uh, disparate ways. <laughs> <laughs> on to our next, um. on to our next Man of advanced age. So we promised on Monday that we would talk about Joe Biden announcing his candidacy today. Mm-hmm. We previewed that. He did indeed release that video Tuesday. I will admit I almost forgot to put this in our outline because it kind of was, I don't know, we knew it was coming. It was rather, it was um, it was a good, it was a really well done video. What was interesting to me about it is, I, I'm curious if you saw this response from people that you're friendly with that maybe don't follow politics every day as obsessively as we do. But this seemed to surprise a lot of people and, and not in a good way. We got a lot of co- like a ton of our, our blog. Our columnist, Caitlin, wrote an article saying that she doesn't love him, but this is really what we have to accept right now. And then I just got so many people really angry with the idea that we have to accept Joe Biden as the Democratic nominee and just stunned that we're all kind of like resigned to that. Did you kind of sense that reaction among people? I I, heard, I saw different reactions, but to react to that reaction, <laughs> it's kind of like when people watched WandaVision and then they got mad at the end of WandaVision that it ended with a big Marvel fight. Mm. And it's like, honey, Marvel's been doing this for fucking 15 years. Get with the program. If you have a president run, he's going to run for the second term. Like, you got to charge it to the game. And I'm sorry that the writer... Like, that is not anything new. That is that is what is expected. And that's why people were arguing in the first place with the nominee, you know? And, honey, that's why you should have voted in the primaries quicker. Mm. Because this is what happens. It's eight years. And it's also just... It just doesn't make a lot of sense to switch even Democratic. I mean, of course, I'm not I'm not happy with Joe Biden. You know what? There are people who align more with my politics. But in terms of like succession. Right. (laughs) And like transition and all Mm -hmm. of that, it will be too chaotic within parties to try to transfer every four years. So. I don't know. These people were not paying attention. They were not watching seasons one through 46. So- <laughs> that is true. I think people might be taking for granted that our su- 
surprise. It's like people aren't obsessed with Joe Biden, but you, you just the inc incumbent advantage is not something that you can give up right now. Missy, how did you feel about the news, even anticipating it? And did you talk to anybody that was disappointed? It's a little deja vu, honestly. Yeah. I feel like four years, well, what, three years at Who this knows? point. What is time <laughs> anymore? No, I feel like same thing. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna really rally behind. Not our first choice, but it's what we have to do if we want democracy in our country. Yeah. So. I guess I'm going to have to make another Christina Aguilar video that I'm going <laughs> to yeah. vote for Biden or something. Yeah. Yeah. This video was made partly by Drew Heskett, who was his former videographer. And like, you can just tell all of Biden's videographers and anyone who photographs the president, like pieces of like, they love the dude. Mm, they love the dude. So point. you just can, you get like genuine, really powerful graphics and video and moments. Whereas like nobody likes these Republicans. They don't like each other. Like well, that's why they can't put together a, a good video. But I did find it to be, the best three. What do you guys think of the fact that he didn't um, make a speech or a statement? I've heard a lot about like people around him just not wanting to put him in the position to sound sleepy or mm. or step over his words, even though he seems to be pretty powerful. Did you guys miss? I'm sure we'll get something like that. But did you feel like we should have? Did you guys miss him making a statement about this like day of? Felt very preliminary for me. It didn't feel like the full actual announcement. Yeah, it's kind of like a teaser. This is it's like a movie trailer. Yeah. Versus here's my big moment. Literally. To really har harness the power of my vote. To get Marvel with it again, the <laughs> teaser trailer versus the actual theatrical full length. Becca's shaking her head like, stop talking about Marvel. All of our listeners have stopped listening. Except our ones from Boston. They're not back after Monday. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, oh, we yeah. did a, a light Boston. We it's heard that just, Kirsten Cinema found an $8,000 hotel room in Boston. It's I, not I that have, Boston's not nice. It's that you're spending $8,000 a night on a hotel or $8,000 on a vacation. You're going to Bali. I was talking to Sammy more about this, and we think she's just like professionalizing this. Like she's just like a Frank Abagnale, like catch me if you can, just buying these, buying these. Like here, would you like selling an, a night at the Ritz on like Facebook Marketplace? I don't know what she's doing. I just don't understand anyway. What I will say is videographers like Joe Biden as opposed to Republicans because Joe Biden's probably paying people and on time mm. and within the net 30, unlike Donald <laughs> Trump, who's the only way you get paid is putting him through small claims court. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I ask your opinion on something? So we like the visuals are good, but the tactics and the strategies of the Democrats are not good compared to Republicans. We like, talk about it every week. We I know. Talk about it every so week. that's what's like still hitting me in the gut. It's like, yeah, Absolutely. it looks good, but what's the fervor beneath it. Like, how are we? It's not that they don't have good tactics or strategy. It's that Republicans a little bit more lockstep and cutthroat. Yes. And they're playing a really, and we're just playing different games. Well, mm -hmm. I think this also will kind of lead in, be part of our conversation later. We're going to talk a little bit more about satire and parody. And something that I have learned a little bit more of recently that I didn't know because I'm not in those hideous circles is that like the far right, they're they're making memes. Like yeah. they're, they're making Parodies like we hear political parody and we think it's like, of course, it's leftist. It's, it's SNL, but they've got their own version, too. And that's they're, how they're... just bad and racist. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's just bad. And but racist. even bad, bad leftist memes. We'll get to it. People like because it's like, yeah, that's how I feel. Uh -huh. So Joe Biden announced I feel like we give, you know, as much as much analysis of that as we can. But I, I did see I definitely want to hold space for that kind of I think that a lot of us did this morning already. Like this is he did say he was going to be a bridge candidate, but you just I think none of us really want to sacrifice incumbent advantage right now. It's no. just the state of the country. It's just not wise. We all saw what happened to 
Jimmy Carter. We have seen times like Caitlin, of course, wrote about like when Ted Kennedy challenged I can't remember, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter and how that dinged him up. So it is frustrating. And I think that, you know, what I've been talking to people about and what I know, like, Missy, you talk to a lot of people about is just we need to cultivate a better bench and invest in people that are really civically engaged from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that as well as the other side. And yeah. they, something about the way that they recruit people is like is working better than us, you know, trying to get our do-gooders to Well, they, yeah. they elevate better. But they also, do. like, it kind of doesn't – I don't want to say, like, the president doesn't matter. But the good thing about Joe Biden is that he will go – he will lock – like, Trump, it's like you have to lockstep with him. Joe Biden is he'll lockstep with what's happening and like if people complain enough he'll 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 yeah know to you Most know what I mean and like and adjust so it is like the responsibility now to pay attention to more of these Congress Senate who's around the bench judicial appointments making sure those happen and making sure that he's surrounded by people who represent our values mm-hmm. because he's going to go with what is popular you know yeah. we've seen him shift so much so in that way, like, kind of doesn't really matter, you know, if he's going to win and listen to people, then that's what it is. Yeah. And I think he has has had some moments where he can't help himself. But I yeah. have generally been impressed with his delivering on the promise that he will sort of be like, I feel like we're laundering progressive values through him. Like most Absolutely. of the judges, like literally it's like 5% of the judges are white men. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like the fact that it's just... The dude, it does, it does matter. Like, obviously, we wish that we had a more representative of course, person, of but this is this is where we're at. And um, who we have right now? Yeah, but <laughs> oh, as you were saying, the thing I wanted to say was that he has done really well at yielding when it makes sense and when he is pressured to. And I almost wonder, I almost wonder if you could see an eighty-four-year-old President Joe Biden decide, mm-hmm. you know, like he's not sick to death. Yeah. He hasn't. He doesn't need to resign in disgrace. It's mm-hmm. just like it's time. And that's how we get a woman president. I don't know. What do you think? That would be the ultimate, like him getting in and just because yeah. it would be Kamala, the ultimate. It would be the ultimate. But that's what we do want. You think from that's him. possible? I don't know. I don't know. That I, would be the Jacinda thing to do. Yeah, is to leave while you're hot. <laughs> I yeah. I would want him to just because just the way the politics are right now. I'm just we've said this a lot. None of us are convinced our first female president is going to be a Democrat. Yeah. And so like yeah. in the interest of like or fucking preempting them and like exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. In the interest of preempting that, like I'm fine if the first woman president isn't one elected. That's usually what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's usually what happens. Kathy so, Hochul. Yeah, yeah. And then she'll make us all regret that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Wait, then I guess if like a listener needs to tell us this right away, but say that that happened and then Kamala Harris, could Kamala Harris then run for another term? That's what I was going to ask. That would be fun. I think so. I think so because she was vice president first, then president. So that's one term and then she's another term. Did that happen on Veep? I think so. Yeah, that happened. On yes, Beep. yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what happened on Veep. She can run again. Yes, that yes. was the signature Confirmed of the last Beep. several yeah, the last episodes of Veep. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com, and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner. Whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. All right, today we have a very special version of Our Man OK. Not me. Goat's milk latte drinking. M&M's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is Avoc- unappealing. Avocado toast eating insiders elite. That does not lend credibility to your argument. It makes you look mean. This is going to be our media version. Missy, this is a segment we do every week, every day, when it re- when it's relevant, just, just posing the question about a series of men based on their actions. Are they genuinely OK? Are they psychologically okay? Are they emotionally well? Usually we we have the same answer. Today we have a lot of men to consider. And to be clear, we don't care. We're not invested either way. We're just making an objective analysis. I love wounded birds. <laughs> <laughs> we did discuss our initial reactions to the firings of John Lemon and Tucker Carlson on Monday. But we've since learned more in the days since about the circumstances of those departures. And we have a few more interesting departures we didn't get to. So did you guys hear about the CEO of NBC? Yes. This one is interesting. This guy is so lucky. Had Don Lemon or Tucker Carlson, probably both of them needed to happen together, not been fired on the same day, we'd still be talking about Jeff Shell. Well, yes. that's what, you know, the, the whole thing is that like people wait, like these companies have been waiting oh, for people yeah. To get like a big firing like Tucker Carlson to sneak in Don Lemon and sneak in Jeff Shell so that it's just like this whole media storm instead of like just the one announcement. I think mm-hmm. it's by design. But why yeah. is it remind me of like Gwyneth Paltrow doing jury duty? Yes. And not jury duty, being on trial and then that weird diet comment. It was like a very mm-hmm. It was like two week gap. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it, like she completely... just drinks bone broth. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know why. Same publicist. Same, same publicist. publicist. Yes. So this guy, former CEO of NBC Universal, his name is Jeff Shell. He was fired amid claims of sexual harassment, sex discrimination, and an inappropriate relationship with a colleague. So, you know, the trifecta. Mm. According to Variety, he had a 10 year extramarital affair with CNBC reporter Hadley Gamble. Recently, Gamble's contract was not renewed, and then she filed this suit alleging sexual harassment and sex discrimination. So I think the implication there is just that her contract was not renewed as a result of something that happened in this inappropriate relationship. She filed this suit alleging sexual harassment and sexual discrimination. The company says it has emails between this guy Jeff Shell and Hadley Gamble corroborating her claims. Shell himself confirmed he'd had a relationship with Gamble in his departure. He said, quote, I had an inappropriate relationship with a woman in the company, which I deeply regret. NBC confirmed he was terminated for sexual harassment and an inappropriate relationship with a colleague. So both of those things. And just days before his ouster, Shell was reportedly at Coachella watching <laughs> Blink-182 with his wife because I guess they're friends with Mark Hoppus because their kids go to school together. So the first weekend, he and his wife are watching Blink-182 together. The second weekend, Blink-182 is performing and Mark Hoppus yelled, I love you, Laura, which is Jeff's wife's <gasps> name. From the stage after all of this comes out and news of the 10-year extramarital affair. So, yes, that's the intersection I was not expecting. Blink-182 with this Jeff Shell CEO. He was also... Straight (laughs) culture. Straight culture. (laughs) Finally here, Jeff Shell was indeed involved in the firing of at least three other NBC employees or executives related to sexual harassment, including Matt Lauer. This is one of those... It's so deja vu. It's like... it's. It's the morning show again. Well, and it's also like just, you know, every time this comes up, people have like, oh, so you can't sleep with your mm. your coworkers or like, oh, two consenting adults. And it's like NBC doesn't fire people for sleeping with each other or even cheating on their wives. They fire people when they use their positions of power to pressure someone into sex and retaliate against them and if they want to end the relationship getting fired or losing their contract that is where the moral clauses get mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. fucked up and that's you know i think that is a good uh nuanced conversation i have in the wake of all these things mm-hmm. yeah it just like renders me speechless every single time because it's just we're almost numb to it. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm not even surprised, which upsets me. Like, oh, okay, of course, yet another man who let power get to his head. It's just very strange. Mm-hmm. It's like part of the conditioning as you rise through the ranks at these media companies. It's just like what you do. It is so weird how concentrated it is at media companies. But like you said, Millie, it's like there's a lot of companies will allow relationships among colleagues. They will allow relationships among inf- superiors and somebody that they manage. But it's like... Uh, Unfortunately, even if it is consensual, like this is why it's a little tricky to date at work, even if it does work out, like that's mm-hmm. awesome, but it can be a little tricky because it doesn't work out. Then every every professional move is going to be is going to be colored by that relationship. So whether or not her contract was terminated because of her relationship, which it sounds like NBC confirmed that it was, but it's like you already you are yeah. you entered that relationship in it and and then she had that claim of course i think it's correct and she's telling the truth but it's like it does it's just it's whenever you enter into a relationship at, at the workplace and these men do it so easily i i was surprised to hear it wasn't like a just you know couple month quick affair no, it was a 10 year relationship crazy. all of this overlapped with the firings so it's like these men get so that's the thing is like as we're learning as a society on when to comment you know 
cancel culture and all of that and calling out and like even the most minor things. The thing that happens when you don't cut things early is that these men get so cocky mm-hmm. or so like comfortable in this position of I'm going to, you know, like there's I'm not like Matt Lauer. Matt Lauer did this. I didn't do that. You know that they don't even see themselves like he probably didn't, never thought that he would get called out mm-hmm. or fired or anything. He thought that he was so powerful, just like a Harvey Weinstein, that it got so unavoidable or so like obvious that anybody can see you know, he has to go. And no, the Mark Hoppus knows. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mark Hoppus knows. And it's also like sometimes too, again, you're at this company and your livelihood is tied to whether you sleep with this guy or not. Mm. You know, and you don't feel like you can say no. That was something yeah. when I when I worked for a TV show, we had like training and they're like, even if you're in consensual relationships, we you have to tell us so that we can keep track. Yeah, because exactly. then later, yep. when your episodes are denied or he's saying that you did a bad job, you know, and he doesn't have a record of this, we need to know. We have to keep a paper trail on this shit. And it's like they need for this to be out, him to get fired and him for it to be like in the press and all that stuff. Like it had to have been so Absolutely. obvious and such a paper trail that like again this guy was it's just clear he was reckless yeah the the quote was like nbc was able to corroborate with multiple emails yeah exactly um, the inappropriate relationship and sleep with me or you're gonna get fired right or or just even if this guy was like you know what this ended i'm trying to move past this can we not renew her contract that just even potential for that is is a hostile work environment exactly so keep it in your pants jeff He's right. not okay. He's not. He is He's not, not okay. okay. Jeff Shell is not okay. Nor well, are. Uh, what's my age again? <laughs> like, just gonna say that. Insert Blink One Eighty Two pun here. <laughs> like, I know, man, dude, you had it uh, all. All the small things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. All right, let's not check sorry. in on other media men here: Tucker Carlson and Don Lemon, who both hired the same lawyer this week, who's going to be a very busy man to presumably demand financial settlements after being fired. So Tucker Carlson, he made his first statement since being fired last night. I was gonna play it, and then that just like felt weird. Like we don't need to, we don't need to do that. He, you saw he didn't wear the bow tie. Yeah, yeah, he wore like a. A regular a colorful tie. tie. Yeah, he looked freshly spray tanned. Yes. Yeah, freshly. He just went to like sugar and broads, but he did take no accountability for the actions that may have led to his firing, which we'll get into in a moment. Instead, he lamented. It was just very like he was like sometimes truth tellers are not allowed to tell the truth. It was so dumb. He lamented that the political and media classes are colluding to prevent honest debate. He suggested he was like too smart, knowing and powerful to remain a part of that class. He didn't say Fox by name, he didn't say anything by name, but he just ended by saying that you could still find some sources saying true things and that he would see us soon, which is chilling. Newsmax. Nothing particularly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of people respond to this. Like, what if he runs for president? What? I'm not particularly concerned about that. I don't think that's what he wants. I don't think that's how he gets... His rocks off. I don't see that. Yeah. No, no. On Monday, we could only speculate like exactly why he might have gotten fired because there are so many reasons. Reporting has since suggested that this might have less to do with the Dominion lawsuit and maybe more to do with Tucker's outsized role in other litigation. So specifically a pair of lawsuits filed by his former booking producer, Abby Grossberg. So this woman, Abby Grossberg, she is a former booking producer for Tucker Carlson. She gave a long-ish interview to MSNBC this week that was interesting. It's just her describing how horrible it was. And it was like, babe, did you see the signs on the wall? Girl. Like, none of this should have Why happened to you. Surprising? But <laughs> yeah, there's, I know. Uh, this, And she was, she was like, there was one part where Nicole Wallace, there was one part where she's describing 
Abby Grossberg says, you know, after after January 6th, I was just like, I can't be like a part of this anymore. Nicole Walls is like, when did you transfer to Tucker Carlson? She's like, summer 2022. Like Girl. she stuck around. So just like no, sim- really no sympathy <laughs> for this woman. But I guess this is the stuff that Fox News is hearing and is hearing like, oh, even our most like diehard deranged people have had some bad experiences. So mm-hmm. Abby Grossberg, she is the former booking producer. She said her lawsuit describes a culture of harassment and bullying at Tucker Carlson tonight, which she was somehow surprised to encounter. She moved to that program after departing Maria Bartiromo's program. At Tucker Carlson's show, Grossberg claims that she was, quote, isolated, overworked, undervalued, denied opportunities for promotion, and generally treated significantly worse than her male counterparts, even when those men were less qualified than her. Welcome to media, baby. <laughs> right. Welcome to media. <laughs> Truly. Her lawsuit also states that she was, quote, mortified by what she was witnessing and began to experience a sinking feeling in her stomach. Oh, no, as it became apparent how pervasive it beca- as it became <laughs> apparent how pervasive the misogyny was. She said of her first day of work. So this is like the misogyny she's talking about. She said that she gets to Tucker Carlson on her first day of work. She's like, I'm I'm hoping that the, the culture on TV is just for TV and behind the scenes. They're like professional producers like me, I guess. But she said on her first day of work, there were pictures of Nancy Pelosi. She describes them as plastered everywhere. Nancy Pelosi in a bathing suit. Not just like. Like current we talk- Nancy Pelosi? Yes. Yes. Like, yeah. That's like, very odd. However old she is. She's 80 something. <laughs> when Millie and I, when you told me, you sent me a video of somebody describing this earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like a picture. These motherfuckers had like Nancy Pelosi bathing suit wallpaper. And I know the idea is to be like, look at this woman who no longer fits beauty norms. Oh. And the point is to be sexist and misogyny and misogynistic. But it's also just like, imagine if you walked in here and we had pictures of Mitch McConnell and swing and swim trunks. And we thought that's what made us feel good. Like, it's just so pathetic. Like, that's all that they could find to make them feel like they have power. You over know the that they're the touching house. themselves to AOC. Like, absolutely. If they got Nancy Pelosi in a bikini everywhere. There's something a little enticing for them. Like, you don't just plaster it. I feel like they're kind of into it. And they're pretending not to be. You're, like, acknowledging a sexuality that nobody else is sort of, like, inviting into just political analysis. It's very strange that they – it's so creepy and weird. Not only that, but she said that they would talk about, um, like, whether – which of the two Michigan gubernatorial candidates were more attractive, whether it was Gretchen Whitmore or Tudor Dixon – just stuff, stuff like that. Are you sure they weren't talking about which uh, Michigan gubernatorial? They want to kidnap. They want to kidnap. <laughs> uh, like the ones. And this is how old is Tucker Carlson? He's got to be He's like forty-three. Like he was 30? who's closer? Okay, you say forty-three. Okay. I'm gonna say. 47. He's 53. What? Wow. Yeah, he's oh, he 50. Wow, that's a good <laughs> well, Botox. Well, it's because it's the spray tan. It's the, bra- it's the spray tan, the Botox, that Swanson's money. The embalming. Well, also... This motherfucker sleeps great at night. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. My pillows. He is. Wow. Um, he does look good. I mean, listen, I Joe Biden looks good. He so does look good. Joe. Bi- listen, Joe Biden's fillers. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Joe Biden was always, you know, we've seen old pictures of Joe Biden. That's uh, true. If you wouldn't, you're lying. You know, um, what I was thinking of this week. Did you also? Did you guys also hear this? Week like, that can't, uh, I can't believe they're talking about Nancy <laughs> Pelosi in a sexual way. You know who Joe I fuck? Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> I was just going to pivot to Jay Inslee, who I was thinking he's the governor of um, Washington. Remember he ran for president in 2020? He was like the climate change yeah. candidate. Oh, and he's, he's like a millionaire? Got, yeah, and he's got like kind of a sexy face when yeah. he wears his glasses. And he banned automatic 
rifles this week. And it's just like in Washington. Good for in him. Washington. It's like, you know, they ain't got nothing to do over I, there. I don't know. Like <laughs> sexy men don't need to be doing this. They don't need to be raging at women all the time. They don't need to be they don't need to be supporting assault weapons. They don't need to be storming the Capitol. Men that are secure with themselves are banning assault rifles. They're not do, they're they're protecting abortion access. They're not doing this stuff. As somebody who, you know, <laughs> worked at a job where, you know, I had a bad reputation, you know, I'm not going to name the company, and now they're getting sued for similar things. People say like uh, to me, and I could kind of empathize with Abby and, you know, maybe some other people, too. It's like, I've heard that this place is a toxic work environment. I'm a strong person. I got this. I already know what it is. I'm just going to go in and get out and it'll be fine. And I can see somebody like subjecting themselves because they need a paycheck and they want to work in their field and all this stuff and then getting there. And it's just way worse than they expected. Way more in your face the conditions and then there's just like no point you know you're never going to get promoted they're always going to treat you like shit they're always talking about people negatively i mean i can really identify with that um sorry my family group chat just texted my little brother said oh, r.i.p jerry springer, jerry springer. Yeah. so i'm i'm just saying it's a big it's a big topic mm -hmm. it is i'm waiting for my dad's text yeah, yeah. remember blockbuster yeah you're like careful touching those vhs is dead <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, just something where yeah. I'm like, as as whatever goofy as this woman is, I you know I, I I've just been there and I know that there's probably listeners out there who whatever and it's not fair, you know, it's right. not fair that we have to make these we have to make these concessions or considerations that have nothing to actually do with the work that you're doing, mm. like the work that you're doing, booking people or whatever job that you have should be enough and there's challenges and stress amongst that you shouldn't have to go into work and see some woman in a bikini or like how guys talk about this or that or whatever or be asked to book andrew tate which she said that she was asked to do and she i guess again surprised she was like i didn't like that i told them that it would be a weird look if you have these two men interview andrew tate but they're like no no we want to go we want to go to romania and hang out with him they thought that after he was convicted for sex trafficking i don't know if it was before or after but it doesn't it, it, neither would surprise me Neither, neither would surprise you. She also went on a, a bit more about um, like Fox lawyers having her lie. She also basically feels like she was set up to sort of like take the fall for a lot of this stuff. She wasn't given proper legal representation in the Dominion case. But a lot of this stuff, I guess, specifically about culture, I think people also think more is going to come out about bad stuff that Tucker saw or allowed to happen. She also um, described pretty anti-Semitic behavior. Like she's just Jewish American, but they would describe her as like they wanted to put her in like a diversity contest and call her an Israeli Jew. What? And then they made jokes about it, how the they won. Context no, I know. I guess there was like a diversity <laughs> ambassador and the winner got $10,000. Oh, girl. <laughs> and they wanted to put her in it because she was Jewish. And then they joked that like she would use it to buy pizza all year. And I don't know if that was what? supposed to be like a frugality joke, but she also said that they. She felt like they set up like <laughs> a really big, like ostentatious Christmas a decoration area in the whole office and like made it really loud but then put like a really small like menorah by hers and just put, labeled it a Hanukkah bush. Oh my God. Girl. It sounded like a, a hideous place to work and they definitely did all of this to her. I don't know how you're Rupert Murdoch and you're like that's that's the reason I'm going to fire Tucker Whoa. Carlson but again I think there's probably more that they know that's coming up in upcoming litigation that we don't know about. Yeah. Well I think it's too like the way that I heard it described 
by Bill O'Reilly <laughs> is that it's right. basically like you're harming your shareholders. If you're if you're spending every time ah. there's one of these lawsuits, the the shares, the company loses value and it's less profit that is going to all that fucking money instead of being paid to shareholders is being paid to litigation and mm -hmm. at a certain point it just it just it just becomes like a liability it's like well we we're gonna get sued by the you know or like sec if we keep harming our shareholders so we have to do the thing that we have to do. It reminds me again, and I know this is exhausting, probably especially if you don't watch Succession, but there's yeah. so many times where it's like they're talking about the money and then they sort of throw in like and the American conservative tradition where it's mm -hmm. like you really just care about the money, money. And I think that's ultimately where they got where this man was potentially going to cost them more. I don't um, I know somebody that was not conservative and was an actor and is now a very leading conservative figure. And there was- And their name is Missy Mildow. And the, and, and that, <laughs> that person would be me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, and that little girl was- <laughs> That dream yeah. has been realized. No, but they followed the money trail. Like if you're- yeah. You can make a shitload of money yeah. as a conservative Republican. That's yes, the bottom absolutely. line. So if that is what's driving you, it's a dark world, but somehow they sleep at night because mm -hmm. Tucker Carlson looks very well rested. Yes. <laughs> but- I don't know. I, I again, like, I feel bad for this woman, but also similar to what Millie was saying. Like, you knew what you were doing. It's it's like the guy that everyone warns you about, but you tr date him anyway. And yeah, right. he's an asshole. Yeah, and she also said in that interview, they asked her like, "How long did it take you to accept the election result?" She's like, "A week." A week. <laughs> and I'm like, "Girl, something's wrong. You're not a good. Your picker's broken." But obviously, but like, this is it, yeah. I was like, "Was it a week since they announced it, or the week that we didn't know?" Because there was a week of limbo. <laughs> no week after November, like seventh, okay, no, which is when it was announced. No, I'm trying to help her I out. Know. Abby, Apparently, that's not Abby, that long. <laughs> I mean, there are people who are still yeah. there I are mean, people that didn't accept it till like you know January 7th when they were in a cell yeah exactly I'm like I'm sure all the people who are in jail now from January 6th shit has finally yeah. <laughs> like perhaps there is a way that he did win yeah yeah All right, next up today, one of our favorite segments is women's rights and women's wrongs. We find ourselves, again, with a woman in the wrong, several women, in fact. Oh, Millie, we're always talking about Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I'm mm -hmm. like, is this woman become going to become like, I feel like she's in our future for a while. The internet was very confused this week, very confused. I saw all of you confused when an aggressively bad advertisement went viral touting the real women of politics. The ad was to a very slow and terrible tune that I have had stuck in my head since, but it was a thinly veiled response to Bud Light's earlier embrace of Dylan Mulvaney, a trans woman who they did a partnership with. And then I don't think we mentioned it on this podcast, but the marketing executives who coordinated that partnership were are now on leave. Real women don't have to fake it, the ad says. Somebody in the, in the ad sings. As a series of increasingly whiter women take part in increasingly bizarre activities, such as removing dried fish carcasses from what looks like a panic room, serving beer to minors, and preparing to barbecue a pug. What? Did you guys see this? Yeah. Did you think it was a parody at first? I was just confused. General confusion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know who this is for. Right. I thought, like, it could be, like, a Tim and Eric, like, sketch. And I should like, say it was hyping Sarah Huckabee, four female Republican governors who were Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Kay Ivey, uh, Kirstie Noem, and I guess the unremarkable one. I can't remember. See, I can't remember. See, yeah. I didn't know the three the three of those women. And I didn't really know what the point was. 
So yeah, I was like, yeah. <laughs> the point was just like fuck Dylan Milvain, fuck trans women. We're real women. What does fake it mean? That's like, I know, like, that was my main like, question. It is like in the Republican platform to fake orgasm. A hundred percent. Like these guys cannot a guy in American flag shorts is not making you come. I'm sorry. <laughs> no uh, way. Okay. And I listen. Let me just say it. Leave I'd it rather ha- I'd rather yeah. have a Jerry Springer VHS and a bottle of wine. Girl, because let me tell you. <laughs> We're not living that one down the whole show. Oh, my God. I'm mortified. But like um, not. Yeah, but the, so, oh, yeah, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that the, the Bud Light thing only went so far. And so it was sort of like a poor, it was a very opaque reference to, I guess, real women being preferable better than trans women. But the yeah, it was so nonsensical. Real women don't have to fake it. So you're saying that real women are cis women mm-hmm. and they don't have to fake orgasms. It's just also, I mean, if we're talking, I know next we're going to talk about like, you know, politics and parody and satire. As someone who's taught satires, taught comedy, whatever, and I know you can probably like attest to this, but like things, the the things that make things satirical and funny and whatever is that it is speaking truth to power and punching up mm-hmm. and it has a clear target right so just on a satirical like comedic analysis of real women of politics it's like for somebody to get this joke you've had to watch five bud light posts like, so you think they meant for it to be an in joke among transphobic republicans i think so yeah but i'm then, seeing but that I'm now like, too yeah, that's not clear agree. but that, right. that's why it's uh, yeah, yeah, not yeah. good satire like just not even that it's transphobic or something because there are some things where i'm like mm, they got us there but um <laughs> it's just not, not smart. this one it's just no. not smart it's, not, it's smart. not this like it's like why not take a bigger critique of republican women and then go there but it's like doing this very niche thing about this one ad that's actually not no one's saying that because okay maybe if the ad was dylan mulvaney saying like i i fake it or something like that but like it's not so that's what i'm just saying like it's not hitting all the targets of parody and that's why you walk away from it being confused where like you'll read an onion headline or you'll re- you'll watch a political sat- uh, satire of music video or something and you're like I know who this is for. I know what this is referencing. If I didn't, this explains it, you know, but that's why Republicans aren't good at comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that when, I think that the fact that a lot of people's first question was, is this parody? I think is a question that we kind of say a lot on this podcast and we've said a lot like satire is dead because what does satire do? It extremely dramatizes things and contrasts them. But the Mm -hmm. things that like, the things that are happening these days are so dramatized um, already. So, you know, I think that's made parody harder to identify and also kind of harder to create. And you both, I keep Missy and Millie, I'll get it. It's very similar. (laughs) It's tough. It's like many uh, auto check, auto quick. Can I also say something potentially offensive that like Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not like I wouldn't yeah. like consider her to be the pinnacle of femininity. Mm, not yeah. that that matters, but like I like that they're using her. Right. None of it was right. The choice of woman. Do you know what mm. I mean? It is true because normally they love to show you like Kirstie Blonde. Gnome. Exactly. And, like, so yeah. that was interesting to me as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. If anything, like your analysis is like showing why gender is just a performance yes. because she because of the way that she naturally 
looks or whatever, she really leans into like always having her makeup done and always wearing dresses and always, you know, leaning into that femininity in a way that somebody with, you know, whatever features like doesn't have to. Girl, if you were a Democrat, you could wear Crocs. You mm-hmm. don't have to wear. You don't have to do a full beat every day. No, um, I mean, look at um, what's her name? The, the the whiteboard lady, <laughs> Katie. <laughs> Katie, what's her name? Katie Porter. Katie Porter. <laughs> Katie Porter. Don't like her outfits? Right? No, yeah. No, she's but not I'm saying like... she doesn't. She because she doesn't care, right? And she's just a mother. You know what I mean? Not but she's if just she were a mother, a pup, but yeah. like we but let like, women just be be that's, like I members. Think that's my. Yeah, that's that's what you're saying. Yeah, like she's over, like she's not necessarily whatever, and she has to overperform femininity to even be considered this this real woman. When it's like, I don't know, like real woman, like yeah, like she's wearing like Katie Porter's wearing like pantsuits and like whatever and Crocs and whatever. Like who cares? Because gender isn't like a thing. I think that's such a fascinating read on why they would even make this is just to sort of point to the fact that there is femininity in their party and taking an opportunity to be like, we got ladies too. Look, look at them. Mm-hmm. We got four. We and love they're them. Real. They're real. Yeah. And they're real. They like care. They wear you makeup. Know, they take care and they like, per- you know, they're the breadwinners. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't, well, not that, not the breadwinners, <laughs> but like they're the bread makers. Yeah. And Conservative the- values. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Yeah. But this made me think, you know, also we're going into White House Correspondence Dinner. It's like a heavy political comedy week. And you guys are both sort of like in that in that world. So it's just kind of curious to start, you know, Missy, you make all of these incredible musical parody videos. Do you remember the first time you kind of processed something difficult or confusing by being creative? Yes. Viscerally remember when Trump got elected. So I was a full-time pop musician. I made one parody before when the Giants were in the Super Bowl and that did really well, but I never thought to do it again. And then Trump got elected. And my first response was, I need to do something. And my Mm. only thing to do in my mind in that moment was to create. So I brought a group of people together. We built a set. I wrote the song, How Lovely to Be a Woman Under Trump's America, Mm. which is a parody from Bye Bye Birdie. But it was like, uh, there was no other way for me to process. Like, I don't even know if I processed the information until I was creating the video. Because I think when things are so difficult and impossible to reconcile in your brain, that's just how I kind of navigate, Millie. I feel like you're probably similar. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that was Trump's, I don't know, Trump's election really got, you know, me started. And like, again, you're talking about processing. I literally (laughs) got like together with a group of like people of color comedians and we had like a processing circle room Mm. crying and like trying and everyone was talking and commiserating about like all these random white people that just like texted us and we like, Mm. Hey, just reaching out to make sure you're okay. Hey, just reaching out. And it like felt so performative. So I, that was when, you know, one of my, you know, my white forgiveness campaign where Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, well, if you want to, if you want to like acknowledgement that you're one of the good white people, you can just Venmo me and I'll publicize it. And I turned that into like a stupid video sketch, like thinking, and then it just like went viral and that went the whole thing. (laughs) That that was like a whole thing and it got written up and all this stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's just like, again, what you're saying of like taking things that are happening that affect us, processing them and using the art of comedy and, and in your case, comedy and music to like 
yeah. deal with Think things. What, what happens during war, during all these like moments in history, these eras of like true creation and renaissance, like it's during mm-hmm. tragedy. It's not mm-hmm. during uplifting moments. So I feel like I'm seeing a lot of people using their talents to express themselves and try to drive change mm. more than I've ever seen in my lifetime, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I, I say so. You know, they, they, they say like, again, comedy, philo- philosophy, what it's like comedy is a tragedy plus time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it, it really is that. Yeah. Well, that's sort of, you know, I feel like there were times during the Trump administration where it did feel hard, like things felt so, so, so dark. Have you guys had periods where you were like, I just, I don't, I don't have it in me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And like some things like you just need to process, like process on your own and pay somebody to listen to you talk <laughs> uh, before. Cause I think that's just, just something that I've learned artistically too, is kind of like, what do you know? And Missy, I, I want to hear like, what do you want people to walk away from? Like, like walk away with with your stuff, you know, I'm sure like. Yeah, I feel like I was somebody who just didn't even know how to process certain news or mm. un, or even have the capacity to learn because we weren't taught yeah. civics in school, mm. as our friend Ben Sheehan always talks about. So I feel like for me, I learned it later in life. And I feel like it's like an obligation of mine having learned these things to distill it in a way that people can feel like there's something small they can do, whether it's just learning something, getting involved on a small level. But like a lot of people have told me, like, I didn't even know this was happening because I don't watch the news anymore. Yeah. It's too mm. jarring. So if my melodic way of, you know, sharing something is helpful, then mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's worth something. And then people can look into it. I mean, I think, yeah, it's just like kind of like in the way that people see The Daily Show. It's like mm-hmm. that is like a way that a lot of people get their news. But it's like, yeah, just going through the news blindly and looking at everything might be a lot. But like hearing you sing a song and then maybe people can look, oh, research further or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure you probably have like people that follow you, Millie, not necessarily for politics that don't might not even know you do that and then see you have, you know, a parody of something and might learn that Ron DeSantis was not in Florida while people were drowning in floodwaters. Well, yeah. Also, like I got one of the comments that we got today was like, what major airports were flooded? And it's like, like, God bless you. You're the only the only way I find out about sub comments or when other people tell me because I know better. I can't be in there. Oh. I cannot be in there. Well, that does take me to sort of what is a what's your comment section like? How do people oh, how do people do who doesn't appreciate your content now that we've talked about the many people that do? So there have been like three bouts of tremendous bouts. bullying and bouts. tens of thousands of bots or people inundating my DMs, my comments, my Are they emails. anti-Semitic too? Very anti-Semitic. Talking about my nose, talking about how I, oh, my favorite one was you look 40 in the face and 13 in the body. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's an interesting ratio. That was a producer wow. on Tucker Carlson. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was, wow. Jesus okay. Christ. But it's funny because I've spoken to a lot of my male parody artist friends or just creators mm-hmm. and they don't experience it. Of course not. Like judgment appearance wise. They get yeah. other things like you're stupid, you're this horrific things racially potentially, but it's never what they like physically look or embody, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and I think my my friends who are creators, like, they're just like, so people are like, oh, you didn't feel like getting dressed. It's just like, yeah, you know what? Next time I want to, like, share my thoughts, I will have, I'll put a full beat on fucking makeup on so that I can come on TikTok and just say whatever thing. Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. that's totally, I totally get that, too. And, like, 
someone just like you know it's it's just tired too because it's like it is the same three insults of like you're fat you're ugly it's like okay yeah maybe clarence thomas does suck but you're fat it's like so and it takes us back to like maybe nancy pelosi is the speaker of the house but she's old so Mm. let's that's what makes us feel good is to apparently to to harp on that but yeah i've noticed that it's never actually the uh the content where we've said this a million times. It's like men are allowed to be funny about everything. Mm-hmm. We have to, and I'm sure, you know, p- men probably make parodies about sensitive subjects that they don't even think twice. And I'm sure we've all had times before p- clicking publish where it's like, is this, am I even allowed to say? It? And I think the messenger does matter. I think mm-hmm. that like some people, like as privileged white women, it is not necessarily our space to sort of make content around how other communities like humorously view their oppression. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I think as like, like Millie said, it's, it's good satires when you're clearly punching way up and you're the right messenger. Yeah. And I just think that it's kind of shitty though with social media. I'm sure you like, cause the things that get a lot of comments, like engagement drives more views. So it's like part of it, you know, Amanda's like, do you want to keep making videos? Cause like, it's going to get all these comments and it's like, yeah, but like that's how more people will see, you know, it's just like shitty. Yeah, like, well, that, you know, goes back and forth, you know, but I'm sure like the videos and the things that get get the most negative comments are also probably the things that like more people can see and like hear your message, you I know. I think good satire sparks conversation. Yeah. I think if it's, someone told me if nobody's impacted, then it's not making an impact. Like you're going to have division because we're all really different. Yeah. So obviously if I'm talking about being 36 and not married and not having kids yet, these guys are going to be pissed mm-hmm. and they're not going to like it. Just say you look great. You, I thought you were 26. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Thank so, you. You know what? You're, aging, you like a, to you're aging like Tucker Carlson. <laughs> you're aging like Tucker Carlson, it's, baby. It's the spray tan. <laughs> it's the yes. spray tan. Listen, no. <laughs> uh, this this year I have become addicted to the spray tan. Have you? I haven't tried it yet. I accidentally registered for like a full month. Is it sugar and bronze? No, no. I go to Upper East Side Tan. It's like the most off-brand thing about me. But I just like feel. I I accidentally thought I was buying one tan, but it was like a crazy low price for Mm -hmm. a whole month. And I just keep accidentally letting it renew and going every (laughs) Friday night. And I just feel great. So that is our time. But you know what? Before we continue, since we talked about the comment section, I I suspect you're not apologizing for your content. And you also have a new podcast called Sorry for Apologizing. Can you tell us a little bit about that and where listeners can find it? I do. With love to chat about it. So I'm always apologizing and I will catch myself in these moments. I'll say sorry when someone bumps into me. And then I wanted to reflect and explore all the ways women just keep themselves small and how society feeds that. So every episode, we kind of delve into something that's historically been part Mm -hmm. of our culture, why it started, where we're at today and where we're going. And I interview really incredible people and just have amazing conversations and start every episode with a mean tweet. Mm. Love it. It feels very on brand for Betches. You're going to have Abby Grossberg. Obviously. (laughs) Abby Grossberg. Abby Grossberg, you're invited. I'm sorry for, I I wouldn't mind if she apologized for some things. What are you two sorry for apologizing for? Hmm. That's a great question. Maybe being just like, Whenever I'm just very like clear in what I need without exclamation points, I'm always have an instinct to apologize later. Like, sorry, I was a little sharp about that. And then I have to realize like, no, you, you fucking weren't like you were not. You just didn't embellish and sound like a crazy person. So, yeah, I think uh, sorry for I feel guilty when I like 
say no to plans or even when I don't go out. Like you could ask Amanda, I misses out in the streets. But like recently I've just been like, I want to stay home and like watch TV and hang out with my dog. And like, I feel like I have to apologize for that or like, oh, so Sorry for apologizing for not going out. Uh-huh. I love it. Don't ask. That is, don't ask Millie to do anything this weekend. Stay <laughs> on her home. flip phone. Yeah, she's on her flip phone. phone. <laughs> Stay at home with your Jerry Springer VHS <laughs> Millie and I have plans this weekend. Yeah. Girl, no. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> that is our show for today. Until the end of Democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Millie Tamaris. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duerman, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Rebecca Sousmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Swartz. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails at suppod at betches.com. Betches.